Which Tony Blair will you vote for, David or Ed? Answer me this, answer me this. Is Nick Clegg feeling anything except utter dread? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Now, last time we were talking about the announcements on tube trains to guide the visually impaired. Yes. Do you remember that? Please alight here for Answer Me This 311 revision. <laughs> exactly. Sarah says, in Answer Me This 311, uh, you were mentioning how Moorfields Eye Hospital is announced at Old Street Tube Station, and Helen was right, there are eight exits from the underground. We were saying yes. it'd be very hard. What's the point of telling a blind person come off here if they then walk straight into a wall? It's, it's a very complex underground station mm. with a terrifying road system at ground level. But she clarifies for us. Ooh. There is a large, about a foot wide, green line... Uh-oh. That runs from inside the underground station to the main entrance of Moorfields. All a visually impaired person needs to do is follow the line to get into the hospital. And to know that that line is there in the first place. Well, you can't account for stupid people who haven't done the research, Helen. The line is also raised about a centimetre, so it's easy to follow even without using vision at all. Very good. They've thought of everything. But... Oh... Uh, Sting in the tail. Mark also wrote to say, there is the green line. However, on my very first unaided trip to Moorfields, suitably armed with the information about the green line, and as a seriously blind person, I duly located the line and diligently followed it into the abyss that I'd hoped and trusted was the correct route. Oh dear. Unfortunately, around halfway there, I encountered a building renovation scheme to one of the buildings on Old Street, (laughs) and the scaffolding had been positioned right in the middle of the green line! Ah! That's really cunty, isn't it? It's equal opportunities, though, isn't it? Because Old Street's a nightmare for everyone. Why make it particularly (laughs) easier for visually impaired people? They're just giving them the experience of everyone else of being baffled when they get there and not being able to find their way around. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) me out to civilization is what everyone thinks blind or not i really hope that mark uh, found more fields but the fact that his email ends with arg makes me think that might be the last <laughs> anyone heard of mark well also uh, on the subject of answer me this episode 311 ross has written in regarding the debate as to whether night nurse the medicine or night nurse the song was first he says a quick look at the united kingdom trademark listings provides the answer well it might for you ross but i'm not used to the uk trademark listings website what do you mean you're not used to it well, how I'm much just, time have you spent getting to know i spent half an hour trying to find this answer last time maybe if the uk trademark listings are so good at answering questions i should get <laughs> them to co-host the show yeah. with me well, anyway, ross, what's the answer ross says night nurse yeah. the medicine yeah. was trademarked in 1972 ah. whilst an earlier serum was registered in 19 19- 34. Okay, well, as I predicted, it wasn't after the song. So I, I did answer it correctly. I just didn't know that. I didn't know that. So thank you for telling me. But you were incorrect in your supposition that they had not used the song Night Nurse to advertise the medicine Night Nurse. Yeah. Because Michael says there was a 2002 advert. And well, the proof I, is on YouTube. I'm astonished. I, I, I was guessing that that had never happened because why on earth would you? Because it's got the same name and that's all anyone cares about. <laughs> it's not like you can remember the rest of the lyrics. All you can remember is the night, night, uh, uh, yeah. It doesn't matter what else the song goes on no. to say. Well, I stand corrected. Happy to. Uh, this is Gilby in London. Uh, Helen and Lolly and Smith. How come I've got like a PhD and all kinds of shit? And I know all kinds of random things. And yet I always lose pub quizzes. So he's an academic, but he's bad at pub quizzes. I've known quite a lot of stupid people with PhDs. I'm not talking about Martin, obviously. But it is possible <laughs> that you know a lot about one thing. Yes. A lot of random shit about one thing. It's also equally possible that you could be an absolute genius and fail at pub quizzes because they deliberately target the mm. quiz at the 
demography yeah. that is attending the local public house and that is a wide range of intellect yeah can one person possibly be good at the 70s tv themes round exactly and the spice girls round yeah well this is it so i went to a pub quiz a couple of months ago and i actually deliberately constructed a team that i was pretty pleased with because right. i was covering the entertainment uh, and also sort of news and politics yeah but then also on my team i had someone who was interested in sport yes which that's, is that's the valuable component real we black playing. spot for yes. me yeah uh, and then i had someone else who was kind of into like geography and mm-hmm. sort of the world so mm-hmm. i thought between us like they can ask us who played football on the nile on a question of sport <laughs> and i'd know it um <laughs> and uh we were doing really really well and mm. i think we were possibly leading but then they had a draw a cock round that's not a quiz that's a Hindu. yeah exactly and how we, did you fail do you not know what a cock looks like well our cock wasn't as good as everyone else's cock oh. and it didn't have as many like desperate loot jokes written on it it was just a sort of fairly workaday image of a cock did, what did they want from the cock drawing did they want a very anatomical cock or did they want a, the most classic bus stop cock with like three pubes and jizz i think <laughs> three pubes per ball had had they wanted the latter i still would have failed but from recollection, the ones that actually sailed through, I mean, I don't remember it in detail because obviously I took to the liquor as soon as I realised we weren't winning. Um, but the one that sailed through and got two rounds worth of points, by the way, just for drawing a cock. That's appalling. Equivalent to like 12 general knowledge questions, which we'd aced. That is not a good quiz. Not a good quiz. Uh, was, I think someone had done like a satirical joke, like maybe they'd done one that looked like Farage. Ugh. You know, and I just, I couldn't draw Nigel Farage. That's fine. No one asked you to draw Nigel Farage. Exactly. I was, I was fuming. You should be fuming. What was the prize? Oh, about tenner. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like a giant inflatable cock. Yeah, but it's for its own sake, isn't it? You know, you enter a pub quiz because you want to win. And you only want to do things that you get disproportionately praised <laughs> for, don't you? And also, it's the fact that even if you turn up with a really solid quiz team, mm. other people have done the stuff around it, like they've thought about their name. Yes. So, you know, someone turns up, what's your name? And I was thinking, oh, fuck, what's the name? I don't know. Uh, we've all got glasses. We're the four blokes with glasses. It's crap. And then mm. someone else be, what's your name? We're Quiz Tina Aguilera. That You're like, always oh, comes up, yeah. doesn't it? Oh, but it's so Christopher good. Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think also, though, Gilby, it's reasonable just to accept that clever people are not necessarily clever at everything. For instance, I love words and language stuff, um, and yet I'm bad at Scrabble and the words rounds on Countdown. Yeah. I'm good at the maths round on Countdown. It's like Martin is a documentedly intelligent man, um, and yet he is very bad at seeing things right in front of his face mm. and not falling over things. So mm, we've all got true. our weak spots, Gilby, and maybe yours is... I don't think there's good definitions of intelligence. Here is a question from Rebecca from London who says... A while ago, I came out of a building at university and someone tried to hand me a leaflet which said Jews for Jesus on it. Mm. I said no because I didn't want one. But then as I walked away, I thought, isn't the really essential difference between Jews and Christians that Jews aren't really for Jesus? It's one of the crucial differences, I grant you, yeah. Well, he answered me this. What is Jews for Jesus? Jews for Jesus is an evangelical group of Christians, Mm -hmm. but it is specifically aimed at people who are born into Jewish families and saying, look, you can maintain your Jewish identity, you can still be a Jew... So you but can be an ethnic Jew. You can be an ethnic Jew who does Passover and believes in the Old Testament and has a bar mitzvah, but you also think that Jesus was the Messiah and you all the rest of your... Christmas, you just you? won't have Christmas. <laughs> and all, all of your relatives are wrong when they say that you have to be one or the other. And they say you can't have it all in this life. That's it. You can have absolutely have it all. You can believe that uh, you are part of the chosen people, but also that God chose to have a son in a virgin and then kill him mm-hmm. and then uh, raise him again and then establish a British headquarters on the A41. Why all not? of it is possible. <laughs> Why not worship that absolute pervert? <laughs> but if you ever wanted to go and live in Israel... Mm-hmm. Uh, then you can't be a Jew for Jesus. Oh. Uh, because there was a test case 
I guess, in, in fairness, Israel realised that if, if Jews for Jesus really took off, then... They'd be full of Christians. They'd be giving right to a passport to a lot of people that would then come to their country and from the inside destroy Judaism. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of contrary to the spirit of the State of Israel in the first it's place. It's a bit uh, slightly paranoid, but I see, the, I see the book. Here's a question from Rob in Sidmouth in Devon, who says, Toilet paper brands often attempt to convince us that they are, in some sense luxurious yeah there's not much uh, marketing potential in telling people that your toilet paper is poor austere scratchy <laughs> unabsorbent what do they market jay's hygiene as though because it is basically tracing paper that stuff isn't it for people who like the misery of a 1940s boarding school yeah he says ollie answer me this what is the most expensive toilet paper in the world is there a genuinely luxury brand of toilet paper i.e one that all the top knobs use if so, what is it? How much does it cost? And does it claim any high-profile endorsements? There are two answers to that question because there is the answer to the question, what is the most expensive toilet roll, which is technically available but is obviously a big press stunt and no one really buys. Harrods must have some that's 200 quid and made out of mink, Well, right? probably. I'll, I'll give you the answer in a minute, but it's so absurd that obviously it's not the real answer. Then, then there's the real answer, which is, is there a brand that is expensive but still, you know, you could imagine someone famous buying? First of all, the one that was clearly just a press stunt mm-hmm. is there is an Australian uh, sort of toilet paper delivery business called Toilet Paper Man. I can't believe I'm even doing their business right now and publicising them. That's such a drab name. I if know. you're going to be shilling very expensive toilet paper, you can't do it under that business Well, exactly. Name. They're Rubbish. Not, they're not shilling expensive toilet paper. Right. They are shilling toilet paper. That is what they do. As a press stunt a few years ago, they decided to start selling toilet paper that was made from 22 carat gold. Oh, that's like the Victoria's Secret million dollar diamond it's bra. It's bullshit, isn't it? Mm. I mean, like, clearly no one would buy it. It costs 825 thousand pounds it's not even practical it's made from solid gold that wouldn't be at all absorbent it's king midas's toilet paper uh, apparently uh, it does provide a gentle wipe for the utmost comfort you I, wouldn't I... be able to flush gold away though but anyway uh, the real answer mm-hmm. uh, as far as i can tell that is actually sort of mass produced and appears to be bought by celebrities for example the emperor of japan celebrity uh, <laughs> is, he's actually got a job is a japanese brand it's kind of obvious when you think about it because everything to do with toilets ultimately leads you to japan doesn't it at some point uh, it is called hanabisho mm-hmm. um it is uh 32 pounds i mean it's five thousand yen which translates to about 32 pounds mm-hmm. uh, for a pack of three uh, which means each roll costs about 11 quid um so that is considerably more expensive than your average roll of Andrex, but it's nonetheless a mass-produced brand that people do buy if they've got too much money. And what's so great about it? Uh, it is made from the finest wood fibre pulp from Canada and treated with water from the Niodo River, okay. which was ranked the cleanest in all of Japan. Hmm, that seems a bit wasteful. Um, yes, mm. I think it probably is. But if you're the emperor of Japan... You've Nothing got that kind of money to burn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but then I'm surprised they're not making it out of uh, finest bamboo threads because bamboo uh, makes some very soft textiles. Not just that. Uh-huh. Uh, each roll is signed by the maker um, to ensure quality. That doesn't ensure quality at all. Well, I know it doesn't really, does it? I suppose it's like a trademark stamp, but a real one, you know. Also, with the- well, they've checked it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, but the ink would get absorbed by the toilet paper. I think it shows an artisan mm. skill has gone into making it, doesn't it? Um, and it's packaged very beautifully. According to the uh, website of the toilet paper, uh, it feels as if your skin is being gently swathed in silk. I think, though, that the black toilet paper that we talked about a few months ago, because Russell Brand and Simon Cowell allegedly have it, I think that was about 50 quid a roll. Huh. That's probably just because you can't mass sell black toilet paper because it's stupid. I think if you really wanted super expensive toilet paper, why don't you just wipe your ass on banknotes? 
Oi, shut up and answer me this. Come on then. Why don't you shut your ugly face? I'm not ugly, it's the condition. It's no condition, it's the ugliness, mate. Answer me this. Podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this. Time for a question from S, age 24 and a half. That's a identity concealing S, isn't it? Not it an is. actual name. Not, well, I, I guess. I guess. Uh, and S, age 24 and a half, says... I'd love to work in Antarctica. Okay. Why? But I'm not a citizen of a country with a research programme. Oh, dear. Uh, and I don't even have a science-related university degree. Not planned for this at all, have you? Born uh, in the wrong place, <laughs> studying the wrong thing? So, Helen, answer me this. Is this an impossible dream? Uh, I'm willing to clean things and wash dishes, and I'm not afraid of cold weather. Sure. <laughs> you, you are aware, though, S, that... It's midsummer high is around naught degrees centigrade, <laughs> not even counting for wind chill. Yeah. So I think that cold weather might get a bit wearing. And also the six months of darkness. You have to be in very good health to get a job in Antarctica, both physically and psychologically, because they don't have very comprehensive facilities. So yeah. they psychologically test you before and see if you can cope with all the dark. Um, there are two exclamation marks on the email. I'm not afraid of cold weather, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. So actually, Yeah, well, yes, let's that... test that. Why don't you go and live in an industrial freezer for four months? <laughs> it does imply to me that they're saying they're aware that, that that is downplaying the situation and that this is the coldest, driest continent on earth i mean i can't imagine why you would want to go and work there unless you were really interested in the scientific research but maybe they are actually interested in the research they just maybe. don't have the degree i might just be really into the film the thing or the film happy feet or the x-files movie i don't think any of these are realistic depictions of what it's like there you don't know i don't know <laughs> you've that's, not been that's right that is right and i wonder as well whether s has dismissed the idea of going as a tourist for whatever reason. Can you go as a tourist? They're worried that Antarctica's climate is going to be very much adversely affected by the amount of tourism. What, it will start warming up too much as people take flash <laughs> photography? <laughs> the snow will get discoloured from all the footprints. And it's very hard to get rubbish, for instance, off Antarctica. So uh, for every person, you have to factor that in. So the answer is yes, you can go as a tourist, but yeah. it's really difficult for you. It's expensive as well, because yeah. you can only go at certain times of year and you can only approach from certain ways. It's kind of exciting though. It is the closest thing to like going to the moon without leaving the Earth. Yeah, it? I suppose. It's, if the moon it's was so remote and inhospitable. Yeah. If the moon had penguins on it. Mm. Nothing about it appeals to me. And the coldest you, place yeah. I've ever worked is Edinburgh. And I'd had enough <laughs> of that after a month. Uh, You're the right I, I mean, I was even thinking, you know, because James Corden's in the news, you know, yes. starting his big US chat show. Yeah. You know, he's moved all the way to, I guess it's New York, is it, they make that? Or LA. For his dream job. You know, and I was thinking, well, would I. You know, not I'm saying this is a very realistic scenario. Would you move to Antarctica to be Antarctica's favourite late night talk show host? Yeah, precisely that. And I don't think I don't think I would actually leave the UK for any job that was long term. I think if it was for a few months, it'd be great. What about if it was in a sunny place? Then no, you'd leave. I think even even if it was California, I think I mm. yeah no, I don't think I would because of because of family and friends and stuff here. Uh, well, S is not bothered about family and friends. But to go and get what sounds like a minimum wage job, and I doubt they even have minimum wage in Antarctica since they don't really <laughs> have a government. Um, but to go and yeah, who does govern Antarctica? Do, Antarctica is governed by like four different countries. Oh, and they claim Lord. to bits of it, and no one cares because no one fucking lives there apart from the penguins. <laughs> you get kicked to death by a penguin if you're naughty. But actually, interesting thing in 2012 for the Diamond Jubilee. Mm -hmm. um, the Queen was given a bit of Antarctica 
that previously uh, had not been laid claim to by any particular nation. So there is now an area of Antarctica called Queen Elizabeth Land. Has it got any rides? I, I would love if it did. The Prince Philip is just a massive hole in the ground. It's got to be one of these ones that is really, really inaccessible if it hadn't been claimed. It's, I mean, it's meaningless to her, isn't it? She's, she's got, got so much free shit. She's the queen! Um, also, giving someone that for effectively their birthday. I know mm. it's the Jubilee, but really it's kind of like her, her, work her, birthday. her work birthday. I mean, that is like when someone gives you a certificate saying you own a bit of the moon, isn't it? It is yeah. meaningless. If, if she went there to try and lay claim to Queen Elizabeth land, she'd be like the old man in Nebraska. But then maybe she'll be like um, Doctor Evil or whatever he's called at the end of the film version of Watchmen and she goes and builds her castle of evil down there and goes uh, to plot dooms. Well, it's an option, isn't it? I think she's uh, been waiting for it. She did a very fine job restoring the fire damage wing of Windsor Castle. Yeah, time so, you for know, a doom castle. She's no, <laughs> she's no stranger to a new build. Can I make a more practical suggestion to help us? Okay. Um, if you insist. I think there's a big enough scientific institution there that by now they must have an artist-in-residence programme. So all you need to do is set yourself up as a poet or a painter or whatever and, you know, make something vaguely plausible. That's a good idea, actually. It's like all these people pretending to care about science and they get money from the Wellcome Collection. There are arts and media opportunities, but they are quite sporadic. It seems a lot of them, they'll go for a year and then shut down. And I don't think most of them actually pay you, so they'll get you there. But there's not much to spend your money on when you're there. They can't not feed you. Anyway, the National Science Foundation, which is US-based, has an artist and writers programme, and the deadline for applications is the 1st of May this year for arts and journalism and photography and history projects. So hurry up. But I think they're super, super competitive because even the jobs, even the most lowly jobs, because you don't have to do a science job there. You can do a support workers job there, which is like cooking or uh, waste disposal or IT or carpentry. Even those are extremely difficult to get. And um, I read this quite sad blog by a guy who'd spent four years pretty much devoting his life to getting one of these jobs and he'd applied for dozens. If you're not from a country where there is a programme, it is very difficult. It's it's very competitive, even if you are from one of the countries that has a programme. There are a few jobs you can get at the Living Museum at Port Lockray on Goudier Island, which is off a peninsula. So how remote is that? That is a tiny island off Antarctica. Yeah. So, it's pretty much going to fit the bill for us, I say. And it helps if you speak uh, several languages and have special skills in computing and carpentry and stuff yeah. or electrical engineering. And apparently every time there's a film or documentary about Antarctica on the telly, applications increase tenfold. People so like are weird, jobs. aren't they? People are so weird. You know, the, I don't Get care. Get away from it all, Ollie. Yeah. Live a simpler life that is more complicated no, but- due to the difficulty of not dying for whatever reason whether you believe in god or whether you believe we've evolved purely you know in darwinistic terms our bodies are telling us not to live there mm-hmm. you know we are being there's a very clear signal when a place is inhospitable that it should probably remain inhospitable yeah but look how well dubai's been doing yeah i wouldn't want to live Vegas. there either <laughs> yeah wouldn't okay. want to live there either and there's less barry manilow in antarctica <laughs> so is that that for it well let's head to the other side of the globe now for today's intermission which is from answer me this episode 134 available now along with all of our other classic episodes and albums at answermethisstore.com why do Fox's Glacier Mints have a picture of a polar bear rather than a fox? It seems <laughs> mm. that the fox would make much more sense. <laughs> well, no, the fox... Oh. I know what they mean, right? But the point is, mm. foxes clearly was someone's name yeah. who established the company. And people who happen to have the same name 
as an animal and then set up a company after their name obviously have quite a highfalutin impression of themselves mm. they're not going to want to represent their name their history their heritage their ancestry with a little funny cartoon animal of a fox whereas obviously glacier mints polar bear lives on a glacier, glacier yeah, yeah. I heard something really mental about this right the polar bear is called Peppy and was introduced in 1922 and foxes actually shot and had taxidermied some polar bears which they sent <laughs> on tour around Britain until the 60s when the people in the 60s were like hang on this seems like very wrong thing to do for advertising I'm never grateful to have a uh, fox's glacier you can Whereas... make a lovely igloo out of them <laughs> Listeners, please do call in with your questions. You can dial the following number. 0208 Or you can Skype answer me this. Let's hear who's been in touch. Hello, my name's Adam. I'm calling from uh, South East London. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. I uh, work for the ambulance service answering 999 calls and work very long 12-hour shifts, sometimes doing some very... Uh, difficult and depressing work, as I'm sure you can understand. Um, I've taken to trying to clear my head and cheer myself up on my breaks by walking around outside. Uh, the issue is our call centre is in the Pitarchus Waterloo, and the area around the call centre is uh, not particularly nice. Now, considering I work both daytimes and night times, this sometimes means that I'm walking around at one, two, three o'clock in the morning trying to get some fresh air and cheer myself up. So the question I'm asking is, Helen and Ollie and Martin the Soundman, how do I get some fresh air and cheer myself up during a night shift without looking like I'm either looking to buy drugs or some sort of mentalist? I was wondering whether you might look less suspicious walking around in the night uh, if you had a high-vis jacket on and you looked like you're working on the roads or something, because you see a lot of people doing that at night. But in the day, if you were worried about why you were walking around these not very walking-friendly areas, you would just pretend to be jogging or something. But at night, jogging at night still seems weird. So I reckon put on the appearance of a night worker. Yeah, except if this was an episode of Mr Bean, you'd then get roped into uh, digging a manhole, obviously. That is an occupational hazard, but it might cheer Adam up amidst uh, these very long shifts of misery. Adam, who exactly are you worried about seeing you and judging you? The perfectly above board people that are around at one in the morning. Exactly. If you get the sense as you walk around that most people around there are drug addicts and or mentalists, as you say, then why are you worried about what junkies and people with mental health problems are going to think about you? If it's other people like you who are innocently working, they're going to be thinking the same thing about them themselves you might even be able to share a nod of recognition mm. with the only other person on the street who is sober most areas of london you are used to seeing people around at all hours especially of the day. an international well what was an international terminal like waterloo that's true you could go for a walk through the train terminus that's not a bad idea but i assume that adam is in a part of waterloo that means it's not very easy for him to go on a walk say along the riverbank you're always close to the riverbank if you're in Waterloo, though. Yeah, but he could be right at the Elephant and Castle end, well, which, would, which would also chime in with him being yeah. near some estates Depressed. he's not particularly enjoying. Feeling he's made some bad life choices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I think generally speaking, if you've got cans on, if you're listening to something like this, for example... You mean big headphones? I mean big cans, headphones, yeah. Uh, and I'm twat, talking twat headphones, twat like headphones we talked about. I'm talking full on, you know, George Michael when doing a charity single for Stock Aiken and Waterman type <laughs> headphones. <laughs> if you're wearing those and walking briskly, mm-hmm. uh, people will know that you mean business, i.e., you are not to be meddled with, i.e., you are not looking for drugs. They'll understand that you're a young professional merely moving from one place to the other in your own time and you don't want to engage with anyone else. That's my tip for walking around in London at night. Or you could get a dog 
and be walking the dog. The problem is you've got to keep the dog in the office then. Well, maybe that would cheer him up, though. It would cheer everyone up in an ambulance centre, wouldn't it? Yeah. I realise that it is a big life commitment to have a dog. And also you'd be keeping a dog on very unpredictable hours. Yeah. A dog is for life, not just to let mentalists near your workplace think that you're not mental. You could get a toy dog on wheels, but then uh, that might not help with the people thinking your mental (laughs) notion. Um, I like what you were saying about the high-vis jacket, though. I wonder if there's a compromise that looks like work gear. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, you're probably not wearing a suit because you're in a call centre. You're probably just wearing a T-shirt. Could you get some ambulance-related merch? Yeah, yeah, NHS polo shirt. I'm not saying pose as a paramedic, but you can get official-looking garb. But I was going to say just a suit, actually. If you're wearing a suit, that means I'm at work, no, doesn't it? No, that's so weird, though. Wearing a suit at three in the morning, <laughs> yeah. like, no, I'm at work, perfectly normal, here's my bowler hat, good day. <laughs> I think just making yourself visible is a big part of it, isn't it? Like, if you're, so, if you're sort of wearing dark clothes, and especially if you're a woman... Uh, that sees like a figure kind of come out of the shadows that's more mm. just knowing that someone you can see someone from 50 metres away oh they're probably just going yeah but you see, you see how the headphones would help now in that scenario if they're listening yeah, to the yeah, headphones yeah. they're not preying on you I mean they might be but mm. you know you'd be thinking oh well, they've got another priority here and that's the reach the end of this fascinating song or what's the one thing that more clearly than anything spells out lunch break lunchbox yes. transformers lunchbox yeah no one's going to beat you up with one of those they might because it's got hard corners <laughs> Uh, I've got an idea there, Adam. Dress as a ghost. (laughs) Go on. Why not play this to the hill? It's like a double bluff, isn't it, then? Absolutely. Here is a question from Drew from Knoxville, Tennessee, who says, I was watching the BBC series of House of Cards. That's amazing, isn't it? That is something that Netflix has brought the world, Mm. isn't it? Mm. Imagine just two years ago, a man from Knoxville writing to us saying, I've just been watching the uh, classic 1980s BBC political drama (laughs) House of Cards. And it's rainy. And that just wouldn't happen. (laughs) Uh, Starring Ian Richardson as Francis Urquhart, who, spoiler alert, becomes Prime Minister. Mm -hmm. And in scenes set in the House of Commons, during Prime Minister's question time, I noticed that he steps up to a microphone set on a table... You are very observant, Drew. ...upon which seems to be a set of old leather-bound books Mm. with some certain ceremonial placement and purpose, as though these very books were foundational to the representative government. As if some books left at the heart of Parliament couldn't be there by pure coincidence. Or they couldn't be hiding a video cassette in a mock leather sleeve. (laughs) (laughs) Ollie, answer me this. Are these books some gravely important constitutional documents or maybe something else like the Magna Carta, the Rules of Order, Parliamentary Minutes, Accounts Ledgers, Samuel Pepys' Super Secret Diaries, Autograph Books, Masonic Arcanery, Pastry Recipes? None of those. Are they books with many pictures? I bet there are no pictures. There are no pictures. He's thought about this so much. He has. He's he's left out the really obvious solution for what they are, though. Are they the Harry Potter books with the adult bindings rather than childish bindings? Obviously that's what they are. All seven. Most important uh, contributing factor to British tourism over the past decade, so of course that would be honoured in Parliament. Is it the Concise Oxford Dictionary? Uh, No. Are you actually pulling my dick, or do neither of you guess? No, I don't know. I can't guess what could be the most important book. Photo albums. The Bible. Yes, thank you. It's the Bible! Of course it's the Bible, yes. Why? Dictionary's better! (laughs) So when you go to the House of Commons and you become an MP, uh, you uh, swear in every... Every MP after the election will swear in. <laughs> well, you just choose a swear word. Just choose a swear word. Set up, yeah. yeah. Uh, you stand up in the House of Commons and you swear an allegiance to Her Majesty the Queen on God. Uh, right. You do that over the book of your choice. If you're not religious, you can have a solemn affirmation, which does not include an oath. But there okay. is no option to be not a monarchist because you are serving you can you really be a monarchist if you're religious because the whole thing's ridiculous if you don't believe in the divine right of kings but anyway the point is um, that um, uh, the books that you're swearing on are the books in the middle so there is a copy of the bible there is a copy of the old testament mm-hmm. the new testament the quran mm-hmm. etc 
Um, and actually, if you think about modern day parliament buildings, because obviously mm. ours is not that modern quite old yeah um i'd imagine it's not that accessible for people with limited mobility and i bet they don't have enough loos indeed mm. but if you think about australia for yes. example uh if you've ever seen the australian parliament on tv it's a much more modern building as you'd expect uh, actually weirdly our dispatch box so the thing that the prime minister is leaning on mm. in the house of commons is a gift from australia what's in it um i'm not sure what's in it i think possibly more books actually it's probably just lamingtons um yeah the australian parliament they too even though it's a modern building and they have a sort of ikea looking desk in the middle mm. of it uh, they too have loads of modern copies of the bible in the middle that is the mm. tradition so that's mm. what you're doing yeah you're, well, you're, you're debating over the bible quite cool though one of the books is a burnt copy of the bible uh that was the, best uh, kind. Uh, the victim of the bomb in the house of commons in the 1940s Heavens and has been restored uh, but who, it still who, looks who like a book. Uh, the House of Commons in the 1940s? Hitler. <laughs> you oh, might have heard of him. Hitler? Yeah, yeah. Yep. He was a big guy at the time. Oh, what? So, he was really dominating the bombing scene yes, in London from, in the 1940s. From the sky. A bomb, a bomb right. hit yeah. the House of Commons, yes. not a bomb was brought into he, the yeah. He didn't walk in with a rucksack. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, okay. yeah, Hitler shoe bombed the House of Commons. <laughs> <laughs> I've made my fortune on the dark web selling machine guns But my dream is to monetize my homemade cream buns They don't sit too well listed next to AK-47s my poor lonely buns Build your bun shop of dreams Using squarespace.com There's 24-7 support if you get it wrong And you'll be selling more buns than guns Before very long If you evade the law oh, I've just been arrested Thanks very, very much to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This. Yes, thank you for everything you do for all podcasts around the world, but particularly this one. But also, we appreciate what Squarespace offer in terms of lovely website design. I think the audience offer would appreciate it too, Helen. I think, I think they would. I've been using it. It's very spiffy and it's very easy. Yes. It's basically like uh, web design, but with magic dust. It's like web design for people who don't know how to do web design. Yeah, exactly. That is me. Yeah, and me um, too. And uh, that could be you listeners. And if you want to have a go, then uh, you can try the two-week free trial at squarespace.com. And then if you like it, sign up, get 10% off for a year using the code ANSWER. Here's a question from Tim in Bordeaux. Uh, that's in France. Everyone. I knew that, Yeah, but Tim. you know, some of the listeners might not. It's nice though. Uh, he says... Helen, answer me this. At what stage in the no doubt rich and complex history of ice cream did vanilla become the default flavour? Surely plain ice cream would just taste of cream, much like plain yoghurt tastes of yoghurt. And yet the ground zero ice cream tends to be vanilla flavoured. Doesn't it though? Your thoughts on this would be most appreciated. Do you taste... I mean, do you, Ollie, Ran, and you, Helen Zotsman, do you taste... Vanilla in yes. vanilla ice cream because I yes. very rarely do. It depends on the ice cream. If, it, if it's like Mr. Whippy, then you don't. That's true. Like if you're having Hagen dazs you probably do, don't you? So when when people say the words vanilla ice cream, what comes to mind is a yellow scooped ball mm. of like Cornish full cream ice cream. Yeah. It looks like mashed potato. A little, I yeah. guess. Um, and I'm imagining it tasting delicious because I like vanilla ice cream. I know I'm, you're not a massive I'm fan. I'm imagining it tasting like a waste of time. Um, I like the taste of vanilla ice cream, but I don't know what vanilla tastes like. It, to me, it just tastes like creamy sugar, which is very, very nice. But when it comes to, say, Wall's ice cream, like Cornetto, that is sugar and cream, isn't it? It's not vanilla that I'm tasting. Right, Martin, you're smelling vanilla essence now. Can you see the resemblance? Ring any bells? I just can't really place it. It's, it's smells... really strong. I don't know how you don't That's get it. That's why I don't like it. Because it has a, really? a taste and smell identity. Well, no, I, I hate the smell of it as well. Smell my nose. But actually, Tim's saying, imagine if it was just the standard flavour was just cream. That would yeah. taste of nothing. Well, it would taste of sugar yeah. more. I prefer vanilla what, to that. It's still what most 
vanilla ice cream dominantly taste of sugar. If, if you go to Italy and have those ice creams that are like what a fiore di latte or cream yeah. or something, they don't they don't taste any different from vanilla ice cream to me. Maybe you're vanilla blind. <laughs> yeah, maybe I am. Anyway, how did vanilla come to be the dominant flavour of not particularly a strong flavour? Well, I'm going to point the finger of vanilla blame at Thomas Jefferson because um, vanilla was a popular ice cream flavouring in France. I think people had been using it for a while to flavour things like hot chocolate. It's a not very old flavoring. Jefferson went to France and was so enraptured by the French vanilla ice cream that he brought the recipe back to America and in the Library of Congress is a handwritten recipe by Thomas Jefferson for vanilla ice cream. Wow. Mm. Maybe that's what's inside the dispatch box. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's actually a cooler. So I wonder whether it was just like, oh, do as Thomas Jefferson does or whether it was like vanilla ice cream was probably a kind of status symbol for a long time because vanilla was very expensive. Did you have to import it to the States? Yeah. Okay. Cream and sugar and eggs were expensive luxury goods. So put yeah. them all together. And also by putting the vanilla into that mixture, you are extending the vanilla because you, a little vanilla can go a long way when you mm. put it in, in ice cream. Mm. Uh, so maybe it was a status symbol and then its ubiquity made it into something very humdrum. Here's another question of food from Anya and Jonas from Devon, who say today we were in Sainsbury's uh, walking down the dairy aisle. And we noticed that one of the sections was labelled yoghurt. Unbelievable. Yes. Mm. <laughs> the it, temerity of it, the it, place. Yeah, I'm maybe not doing justice to this revelation by the way I'm reading it out because it, it, this is a question of spelling. Uh, the way they've spelt it as it was spelt in the Sainsbury's is Y-O-G-U-R-T. Okay? Okay. Mm. Yoghurt. Okay. Yes. Yoghurt. Uh, we were confused and a little outraged as we both had been taught in primary school and throughout our lives. Age 25, you had a booster about how to spell yoghurt. <laughs> to spell it as yoghurt, Y-O-G-H-U-R-T. After some research, we found that yoghurt can be spelled as yoghurt, yoghurt, as you saw it in uh, Sainsbury's, and also yoghurt, <laughs> Y-O-G-H-O-U-R-T. That's a real outlier. Uh, so we've got yoghurt with an H in, without an H in, and with an H and an O in it. Putting the ho in yoghurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Helen, answer me this, which, which spelling of yoghurt is correct? Um, spell checkers only underlined yoghurt, mm. but it's left mm. the other two alone. So the other two are in popular... Parlance, but which is correct, yeah. Helen? You understand that it's all yogurt, right? Does it matter? Where's the word from? Is it French? Uh, it's Turkish. Turkish. So um, it's uh, it entered the English language in the 1620s, and um, I think in Turkish it was spelt with just the G with a little accent over it, but that meant it was a soft G, so like yogurt or something. I don't speak Turkish. Yeah. I'm terribly sorry. I know the soft thing you're talking about. Yeah. You see that on other Turkish Yog- food stuff. Yogurt. Yeah. Yogurt. Okay. Um, and so it's a transliteration, basically. So yeah, I think they put the H in because of that, but. The G is more similar to the Turkish spelling. And yet, there aren't similar, as far as I can see, transliteration discrepancies with Japanese foodstuffs. Like sushi is always S-U-S-H-I, and that's transliterated from a completely different alphabet. Why Mm. with Turkish would there be this issue? I think with some languages, there are sounds that translate easily into the Roman alphabet, and in some that aren't. Okay, I suppose that's fair. But I suppose the G-H... Uh, is quite a flexible phoneme in English anyway, because it can be in cough or mm. through. Or gherkin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that's a, a real messy phoneme. Phoneme's gone wild. But the extra vowel, I don't, I don't know. I'd say the extra vowel is non-canonical, the Oghort. Mm. And yet, does wrong. that mean it's incorrect? 
Because if it's still aiming for the same thing, it's aiming to appropriate a pronunciation. Does that mean it's wrong? I just think if you're taking words from another language, then um, it's legitimate. It's 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 just very difficult to decide on the correct way when the language is not that similar to the language you're bringing them into. And therefore, permissible to have like ten different spellings of hummus. That does Same seem to reason. be the way, yeah. isn't it? Hummus. Yeah. <laughs> Both um, hummus and yogurt, I would probably go for the shortest one. That's so I wouldn't rubric, go for the yeah. hummus, because no. that's adding letters. So I'd just go for the uh, But what about when letters. my dad calls it hummus? Like, is that just wrong? I'm not mm. going to tell him he's wrong. He's, yeah. he's, he's lived longer than I have. Maybe he's seen more hummus than I have. <laughs> Isn't there one kind of hummus that has the same spelling as the kind of hummus which means organic matter in soil? It's just complicated, isn't it, when you bring in these fancy when, immigrant when, when food the, stuffs the, trying to change our language. Middle Eastern foods come over here and try and invade our mouths. <laughs> <laughs> in your case, they've succeeded. <laughs> they have strongly succeeded. Without yoghurt or hummus, I would be uh, half the man, literally, that I am now. I wonder, though, whether Sainsbury's has to have meetings where they decide on the official Sainsbury's spelling of yoghurt. Like the Guardian style guide decides that they're going to spell bellend as two words. <laughs> Whereas I think it's the Sunday people that has it one word and other people hyphenate it. But they actually have to decide these things. Yeah. Well, you've got to be consistent. Exactly. Yeah. It gives me satisfaction that someone has had to decide. That it's someone's job. That it's yoghurt in Sainsbury's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yet some of those pots of yoghurt in the yoghurt aisle will say yoghurt differently, won't they? And that is probably going to cause uh, these people a lot of bother. I suppose... When you're Sainsbury's, you're deciding, as our questionnaires point out, not just what is on your own brand yoghurt pot, but what is going above the aisle on yeah. the sign. Yeah, don't have to change that sign once no. it's up. I'm an answer me this fan. I listen with my nan. She is not so keen. She finds it too obscene. I follow them on Twitter. Though Ashton Kutcher's fitter. I want to take things further. Just one step short of murder. I want to look like Harley Man. I want to smell like Harley Man. I want to be like Harley Man. I want to chase like Harley Man. I want to look like Harley Man. I want to talk like Here's a question from Holly, who is 28 and from Aberdeen. She says, I recently started online dating and much to my surprise, the first date I went on was great. And I've been seeing the same guy on a semi-regular basis for the last two months. Well, it sounds like you've got the perfect relationship. Thanks for that, Holly. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks time here on Answer Me This. <laughs> no. No? Uh, more happens in this what? email. Oh, OK. After going out for dinner together last week, I went back to his place to stay over for the first time. So off I went to bed with this tall, handsome, strapping man. Uh-huh. And things were going well until I reached down and felt, well, pretty much nothing. Oh. He has the smallest penis I have ever seen in my life. How many have you seen? We need that raw mm, data to be point. able to assess. Can you mm. arrange them so they look like a bar chart? Are you a penis <laughs> expert or are you just a fan? I don't know what the average sample is for a 28-year-old sexually active woman yeah. who is heterosexual. I'd say between half a dozen and a dozen probably is average. Okay. So let's say she's seen half a dozen before. Smallest she's ever seen in her life. That's only one of six. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. I'm already speaking up for this guy. I feel sorry for him. Don't feel sorry for him. He's tall, strapping and handsome. Oh, okay. Uh, Holly, Holly says, I've only ever heard rumours of them being this small. It's roughly the size of a highlighter pen. Now, what kind of highlighter pen are we talking here? 
presumably the minis like you've got where you've got the set of four in to a tiny clear, we're talking about highlighter bob. pens not penises here i don't know what your penis it's a highlighter penis though isn't it <laughs> like you do in different colors mine is probably roughly the size of a full-size tableau boss you're talking about the half size congratulations yeah. don't want to do i'm saying there's a big range of highlighters right but we, we she's talking about the ones that are smaller than the little finger the traditional small penis size yeah yeah i think they're a bit bigger than that aren't they are we talking penises or highlighter pens I don't know anymore. The small Stabilo Boss highlighter pens are, really are small. about the size of the first two joints of my little finger. But but you're the only person uh, I know, yeah. Ollie, who has uh, possessed a small Stabilo Boss highlighter pen. No, I've never seen those. I, I see the normal ones, and they're sort of like they've got a kind yeah. of oblong cross section. They're probably about, about that long. four inches long, like the average male penis. Yes, yes. I think that's fairly respectable. Yes, uh, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Well, I'm happy enough. <laughs> Holly wasn't. Holly says, because yeah. I didn't want to embarrass him, uh-huh. I just carried on as if I was having a great time, an Oscar-worthy performance given the circumstances. That's right, because no woman has ever pretended to have fun during sex before. We have a nice time together, and he is a lovely guy, mm. but I like having sex, and I just can't work with that. <laughs> Ollie, answer me this. How do I end things with this guy without letting on that it's because the sex was rubbish? P.S. I know I sound like I'm being shallow and superficial, but it really is tiny. Well, if you were shallow, I don't think it would be such an issue. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, um, but it's two different issues, isn't it? Someone having a small penis and the sex being rubbish. Absolutely. Although, let me just say right from the outset, like she's internet dating. They've only been together for a bit. The whole purpose of internet dating is you do kind of get to choose what you want from the beginning. So she's still shopping for a man. Exactly. I know that it's uh, not really the done thing on sort of romantic websites where straight people meet for love. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, you know, if she was able to specify drop down menu, I want, you know, average to large penis. She wants um, large board marker minimum. Yes. If she were able to say that, I think she would have done. So in fairness to her, I think now having discovered he has a very small penis, she he is thinking do I want to spend the rest of my life with him if she really doesn't it's better to get out now and and be honest to herself about that so I think there isn't anything but not not be honest to him never be honest to him that's because it's unfair absolutely unfair there's nothing you can do about it you're just going to make him feel terrible yeah and and as you point out other women who aren't preoccupied with the size of penis would nonetheless be able to have a happy sex life with him with his small penis well maybe he's bad at sex well he could be both indeed yeah because people with small penises are able to be good at sex and in fact, a lot of them really try to overcompensate uh, using uh, other parts of their bodies. Oral techniques. Yeah, manual. Sex toys. Yeah. But the thing is, the thing is, if, if you are the person who is dating someone who has a very, very small penis, the, the thing to do is make them think like all of those things are their idea. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't in any way suggest. You are, you are not satisfying because me. Because you're not satisfying me. Else. Yeah, get down there and, and munch my muff. Don't say that. But maybe it's never been a problem with anyone else. That Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Maybe you're just not sexually compatible, which is another issue. But Holly, I would uh, maybe dump him in a way that is quite ambiguous because what might happen, see, he's the first guy you've met on internet dating. You're like, oh, everything's great except for his penis. Yeah. But after a few go rounds, you might think, actually, he was a pretty good guy. Yeah. And uh, mm. if you've said, sorry, I can't, can't deal with your tiny knob. Mm. Then that's uh, definitely don't say that. I no, think no, all, no, no, in fairness that. to Holly, she has agreed that she's not going to say that. She's no, asking, good. how do I let him down without telling him that's the reason? Bearing in mind that they obviously click in other ways and he is a nice guy. Mm. And that is tricky, isn't it? Mm. Um, because anything else that you might do to try and compensate sort of involves to some extent acknowledging that not everything is brilliant in the bedroom and you don't want to go down that path even though ultimately you're going to dump him anyway well, and how do you kindly dump somebody that you don't particularly know so well, i'm sorry i'm just not i'm not sure i'm uh, ready for a relationship yet i'm not sure i'm i'm not sure you and i are that compatible blah 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 yeah those are the standard get outs and he's going to be hurt but he's not going to think it's because of the size of my penis mm. i suppose you could because you're internet dating say look uh, before we 
get too deep don't say that uh before we <laughs> go too far down this track um you should know that i was dating someone else when we started dating well unless she's made it too obvious that he was the first guy she met and therefore she hasn't met any others uh, yeah depends what groundwork she's laid if she's been too honest yeah do you need that excuse if you're breaking up with someone that you've only known or, or had a relationship for, with us for a short time yeah, presumably not. Couldn't you just say I'm going to be really busy at work for the next uh, well, few weeks? Or could you just weeks? say I don't think um, you know it was nice. We had a nice time, but I don't see a future. But obviously, she was seeing a future until she saw his penis. Mm. Well, then she wasn't yeah. seeing anything. But that happens all the time. People sleep together, and that puts them off one another. Yeah. Maybe you should wait for him to dump you. Like, sorry, I can't love a woman with a giant vagina. <laughs> There's a subplot in The Godfather about that. What? Yeah, not in the film, in the book. There's this subplot. Very about. much not in the film. Um, it's the, you know, the, you know, the brother that gets killed. He's but, got but that's a, all of them. He's got a really a huge penis, and, he's, and uh, no other man can satisfy his wife. And then some doctor realises that she's got a gigantic vagina, and she right. has surgery to have a smaller vagina. I'm not making this up. No. Okay. I mean, you're using an obscure literary example, but uh, it is worth making the point that just because you did not have a pleasurable experience on him, other women might do. Or you might, Holly, if you would just be a bit more open-minded and maybe concentrate a bit more and uh, try some different techniques before you give up on this guy if he's so great in every other way. And also maybe he was nervous because it was your first time spending the night together and maybe that affected his performance and maybe he would be better at sex maybe he's more comfortable yeah, with Yeah, maybe you. if he was more relaxed, then and he'd have a full 12 inches <laughs> he's got a very responsive no, penis. No, but she was saying the sex was rubbish. Maybe he would put in a better performance up. She's sex. very size-focused, Helen. Maybe, maybe mm. he was nervous because you whipped out a tape measure going, how can it, can well, actually, it really be? Uh, anyway, listeners, uh, if you've got advice for Holly, or if you just have a question... I've got an average-sized penis, but the girl I'm with seems to think it's tiny. How do I dump her? <laughs> um, and send all of the questions that uh, come into your head uh, yes. to us via our usual contact details, all of which are on our website. Um, Answermethispodcast.com When you're on there, you can also click the buttons to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can visit answermethisstore.com to get our albums and our old episodes and our apps. Yes, mm. all of that if you'd like to hand us money. If you'd just like to listen to more free stuff, you can listen to Helen's podcast, The Allusionist. You certainly can. And you can listen to Ollie on the Media Podcast. And both of those come out in the weeks where Answer Me This does not come out. So Correct. we've got you covered every week. Every week, there's some Helen and Ollie. It's and just on, and only on certain weeks do we talk about people's penises. There's some occasional Martin Sound Man as well. Yeah? Sure. Where do they, where's your, what's your website, Martin? Oh, uh, thesoundoftheladies.com for music. The Sound of the Ladies. Sound of the Ladies. And then there's the Global Lab and Brain Train and... Yeah, those are the podcasts, I think. That's just fade out on him listing all of his podcasts, <laughs> and I fade up again next week in real time. And we must remember to thank Squarespace once again for their support. From the bottom of our tiny highlighter pen-sized hearts. <laughs> thank uh, you, Squarespace. And uh, please return in two weeks' time for the next Answer Me This. Bye! Bye.